How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Today, we'll be doing a preview of the MLB playoffs as the season's just about to wrap up. We'll be going over which coach in each of the big four sports I feel is under the most pressure and on the hot seat. We're then going to be talking about who I think the most overrated NFL player is today. And then finally, we'll be going into my list of who I think the top five greatest athletes of all time are. Um, so starting with the MLB playoffs, all the teams for the playoffs have finally been decided. I'm just going to go over a quick overview. So in the AL, we have the Astros, Yankees, and Twins, each winning their division, while the Rays and Athletics have both secured wildcard spots. Um, while in the NL, the Dodgers and Braves have both clinched their division. Nationals have clinched a wildcard spot. And then the Brewers and Cardinals are within one game of each other with three games remaining. Both of them have clinched playoff spots, but we're unsure who is going to win the division yet. Um, just looking at the teams in general, I think the Astros um, are in the best position for the AL. Um, they have the strongest pitching rotation by far, in my opinion, between Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, and Zach Greinke. Um, the Yankees are kind of an interesting team. I know a lot of people would probably think that's a little crazy to think just because of how good they've been all year, but um, they've been hit pretty hard by the injury bug as of late. Um, they've been very good at hitting all year. They're always one of the best hitting teams in MLB. With the small ballpark, they do hit a lot of home runs. Um, their pitching has been a bit of a question mark. Um, James Paxton just got pulled from his last start with an injury. Um, Severino's coming back from injury. CeCe's been banged up. Um, same with Hat, and then they just lost German, who was probably their best pitcher all year after his allegations um, of hitting a woman. So that's obviously not good. Um, definitely not condoned. So he won't be pitching for them anytime soon or any other team soon. Um, so they're definitely a team that's going to be interesting, just because if they rely on the long ball like they usually do, I don't know if they're going to make it very far in the playoffs. But who knows? Sabathia is usually a pretty clutch playoff pitcher and with Severino coming back maybe he can give them a spark they need same thing with Stan coming back um the Twins are a little bit of an interesting team as well they got a lot of really good young players and they're also going in to the playoffs on a really hot stretch they've won eight of their last 10 games um sometimes in the playoffs it's really important just to get that momentum going in and kind of just catch fire same thing with the Rays they're seven and three in their last 10 um, the Athletics are the team that I don't think is going to get very far. I don't think they're going to beat um, the Rays in the wild card game. I think the Rays just have a lot better pitching. The Athletics have been very good defensively all year. Um, I just don't know if their hitting is going to be able to prevail them through that wild card or if they do, if it's going to prevail them through a full series. Um, Nationals and Brewers are both 8-2 and two in their last 10 as well. Both wild card teams as of right now. The Cardinals do have that. Um, division lead by one game. We'll see if they finish there or not, as I mentioned before. Um, Dodgers, 8-2 and two in their last 10 as well. Um, the thing with the Dodgers is we've seen this before. They're pretty much one of the best teams, if not the best teams, in the NL every year. And then once they get to the playoffs, um, something just happens and they don't get it right. Whether past few years it was just hitting didn't go right. Um, they had some stuff with Gassiel Puig. Um, Clayton Kershaw has been kind of a shell of himself in the postseason. Um, so they'll be an interesting team to watch as well. And then the Braves was a team I was pretty high on um, a while back when I was talking about 
Um, some MLB teams I thought were going to make the playoffs. They have a lot of great young talent. Um, they're very balanced with pitching and hitting and defense. But they're a team that's going into the playoffs right now cold. They're four and six in their last ten games. As I mentioned before, it's not the it's pretty good when you can get a hot stretch going in where the Braves are gonna be going in cold and because it's a pretty young team, I don't know if they're gonna be experienced enough um, to go all the way. As far as my playoff predictions, ultimately I think the Astros are gonna prevail in the AL and I think the Nationals are actually gonna prevail in the NL. I think they're a pretty underrated team. They're carrying some good momentum going in the playoffs now. And I think it would just be a great story, honestly, if the Nationals could make it to the World Series or at least make a deep run in the playoffs after they lost Bryce Harper. They were getting criticized for not wanting to pay him um, what he wanted. But I think it would be a great story if losing their best player and then the following year making a deep playoff run or going to the World Series. I think that would be incredible. And ultimately, I think the Astros... Just have a good veteran team. They won the World Series a few short years ago. Um, they got some good players in Altuve, Springer, Bregman, Correa. And then they just have a great veteran pitching staff and a good bullpen. So ultimately, I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the playoffs and make the run to the World Series. And I ultimately think they're going to end up winning the World Series. Um, I think the NL has a lot of really strong teams. And I think they're going to kind of battle it out and wear each other out. Or in the AL, I don't think the teams are as strong. I think the Astros and Yankees are the two teams that are going to probably end up battling it out um, for the AL for the, the Seals going to the World Series. But I think just the Astros' um, overall veteran presence is really going to help them prevail. Um, so now going into one coach, each of the big four sports who I think is on the hot seat. We're starting off with the NFL. Um, the coach that I think is under the most pressure is Bill O'Brien uh, of the Houston Texans. Um, the reason I say this is because just in his time there alone, they've already went through two GMs, and then this year alone they traded Jadavion Clowney and two first-round picks um, for Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil and a few um, pretty much no-name players, to be honest, from the Seahawks. Um, Barcarius Mingo is a decent linebacker, but not a stud like Clowney is. Um, not to mention that Andrew Luck just retired, and he's in their same division. Um, Tennessee's been kind of up and down every year. And then the Jaguars have been awful this year. Um, it looks like Jalen Ramsey's going to be traded too. So I feel like the window of opportunity for the Texans has been the past year or so, and especially now with the division kind of looking a little weaker. Um, and with the Jaguars also, uh, Nick Foles is out too. Not to mention they have Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt. They have so many star-talented players that I think it would be kind of a shame if this team didn't make a run to at least the AFC Championship game this year. Um, I know the Patriots and Chiefs are there, but there's no reason that maybe they can get lucky and avoid one of them um, in the playoffs, or if they do, that they can't win the game. They're a very talented team. Um, you just saw what they did on the opening Monday night game against the Saints, a very good team in a very hostile territory. And I think the offense is going to progressively get better. And if J.J. Watt can return to his defensive MVP form, I think they have a great chance. But Bill O'Brien's been lackluster in the playoffs when he's gotten there. Um, the team's underachieved, in my opinion. Um, and as I mentioned before, going through two GMs doesn't say a lot about him um, and a lot of people believing in him. And I honestly think if they don't make a deep run in the playoffs or if they miss the playoffs, he should be fired. Um, looking at the NBA, the coach I think has the most pressure is Brett Brown of the Philadelphia 76ers. Um 
Brett Brown's pretty much known for the guys uh, conning the phrase the process um, after they drafted Joel Embiid, and he sat out for pretty much two years before he finally got fully healthy with all his injuries. But big story at the 76ers, they've underachieved in the playoffs for the amount of talent they had. Um, my biggest issue with Brett Brown doesn't seem like he knows how to run the offense properly and who to run it through. Um, you know Ben Simmons doesn't really have a jump shot, so you should be running your offense through Joel Embiid. And I think too many times um, last year they tried to let Ben Simmons do it all, and I didn't think that was a very smart decision. I know Embiid was kind of hurt in the playoffs and whatnot, but they took the Raptors to seven games, and ultimately I think um, it came down between Brett Brown and Nick Nurse and who was the better coach, and Nurse just out-coached him. Um, Jimmy Butler carried that team throughout that series, hit a bunch of clutch shots, and then when it came down to it, they didn't really give him the opportunity um, to close out a game for them. Um, and then this year is definitely the best team he's going to have um, since he's gotten there with the acquisitions of Josh Richardson and Al Horford in the offseason. I know they lost Jimmy Butler, but they brought back Tobias Harris as well, um, coped with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and Simmons has been working on a jump shot all summer, so if he develops that he's going to be very hard to stop and if Embiid can remain healthy which has been the biggest question mark um it'd be a very tough team to beat and there's absolutely no reason they should be less than a two seed in the east this year with the Nets not having Kevin Durant um the Pacers are still up and coming I don't think they're quite ready to take that next step yet um the Celtics do have Kemba and Gordon Hayward but there's no way they should be a better than 76ers and 76ers in my opinion at the best defensive lineup in the NBA so to me if they don't at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals I believe it's time for Brett Brown to go um, looking at the MLB I think Andy Green of the Padres is um, the coach that is most on the hot seat um, first and foremost he just has a ton of talent on that team between Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, uh, Chris Paddock this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2007, and since Green took over in 2016 through this year, he has a record of 274 and 366, so almost 100 games below 500. Um, with the type of talent they have on that team, especially acquiring Machado in the offseason, um, them not being close to a playoff spot there is pretty um, unacceptable, in my opinion. Machado's the type of player that can propel a team to now, I wouldn't say he can carry them fully to a playoff spot, but you should at least be in the conversation of being only two to four games back of a potential playoff spot, but they're almost 20 games um, below 500 this year. So I think his time is almost going to be up for the Padres. And finally, in the NHL, I think Mike Babcock of the Toronto Maple Leafs is on the hot seat. Um, they've lost in the first round of the playoffs each of the last three years. After 2015, he signed an eight-year, $50 million deal. Um, he's had a lot of issues just with the players in general. There's been rumors of him and Austin Matthews not getting along. Um, there was just a contract dispute with Marner, and there were some rumors that Babcock didn't really want to bring him back. Um, I think another reason why Babcock's on the hot seat in general is because of what Sheldon Keefe has done for the AHL team, the Toronto Marlies. He led them to a championship last year, and they lost this year in the finals. Um, but he's one of the most up-and-coming coaches that a lot of teams have asked out um, to see if they could interview him to be their head coach, and Toronto's pretty much declined all of those interviews. 
Um, and then just Austin Matthews, Don Tavares, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. The list goes on and on of talent. Um, the fact that you're getting bounced out in the first round of the playoffs every year um, is pretty unacceptable. Um, if they don't make it out of the first round this year, I think Babcock would probably be fired immediately after. Um, and I think that's the type of team that with that talent, they should be no less than going to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, especially just based on what the teams in the East have done in the past. I mean, Tampa Bay is good every year, but they've shown that they have not made deep runs into the playoffs. Um, Boston's pretty much been the Maple Leafs kryptonite. They've gotten to face them two of the past three times they've been eliminated. Um, however, I think Boston did lose some key pieces in the offseason. I think they have a lot of players getting older in age, too. So I think Toronto should be a very strong contender to be a potential Stanley Cup team. But if they don't get anywhere close to that, I feel Babcock is going to get fired. So now transferring over to the NFL, I'm going to talk about who I feel is the most overrated player in the NFL. Um, when I was thinking about doing this, there were two or three players that came to mind immediately. Um, but my ultimate decision was I think the most overrated player is Kirk Cousins. Um came down really between him and Cam Newton. However, I think I gave Newton a little bit more of a pass just because of injuries, and then he was in a Super Bowl and has won league MVP and has shown his ability to get a team to a playoffs, and Kirk Cousins really has not done that. Kirk Cousins is the most overrated player in the NFL for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, the Vikings gave him $84 million in guaranteed money over three years on a team that features Delvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, and a very good defense, and I think Mike Zimmer's a pretty good head coach. Um, before this year started, Kirk Cousins was a whopping 5-25 and against teams with a winning record, including going 1-6 and last year. Now, I know he was on the Redskins before, and that team wasn't very good, but if Kirk Cousins is as good of a quarterback as he's getting paid to be, then you should be able to beat some of these top teams in the league, regardless of how good or bad your team is. On his team now, there's absolutely no reason that team should have went 1-6 last year against above 500 teams with winning records. Um, I think it's bad that he hasn't made more playoff appearances than he has in his career yet, um, especially on the Vikings last year. That was a team that... When they got Kirk Cousins, so many people were thinking, oh my gosh, the team's going to go to the Super Bowl or at least make a deep run in the playoffs. That Kirk Cousins was the missing piece right after the year where they had um, the Minneapolis Miracle when Case Keenum threw a bomb to Stephon Diggs and they won the game in New Orleans um, before they'd ultimately go on and get blown out by Philadelphia the next week when they went to the Super Bowl and won. But um, they added Kirk Cousins and he was honestly worse than what Case Keenum did for them the previous year. He wasn't good last year. Um, his numbers weren't great. And just that record against good teams just shows why he is not um, as good of a quarterback as he's being paid to be. And I know there's other quarterbacks out there, like Matt Stafford's another one I was considering for this. But Matt Stafford has shown that he's been able to beat some of these better teams. Um, Cousins faces Aaron Rodgers twice a year. Um he faces the pack, or excuse me, he faced the Bears twice a year, and the Lions twice a year. Um, the Lions are looking pretty good this year. Same with the Bears and the Packers, who all have winning records um, right now. So I'm very interested to see what he can do against them this year. 
but right now I just think he's the most overrated because he hasn't proven himself for what the contract was worth, and I think the hype around him, especially after what Case Keenum did for them, I know Case Keenum's pretty much a bubble starter in the NFL, but the fact that Kirk Cousins couldn't propel that team um, last year to a playoff spot and make a deep run um, is kind of embarrassing, and I think if they don't make the playoffs this year, um, the Vikings should seriously consider either moving him or at least drafting a young quarterback to develop behind him for a few years um, before ultimately taking over. Um, so getting into the final segment, it's going to be a little bit of a longer one. I'm going to be talking about the top five um, athletes of all time, in my opinion. It's a very hard list um, for me to come up with um, just because there's so many great athletes um, in the game, not only today, but ever. Um, it's very hard because I definitely left off some players um, that probably could have been on here. Um, so I'm just going to go through the list one through or five through one real quick, and I'm going to go in depth of why I chose them five through one. So my number five athlete of all time, I have Roger Federer. Number four, I have Wayne Gretzky. Three, Jim Thorpe. Two, Muhammad Ali. And number one, Michael Jordan. Um, so just on that list alone, I'm leaving off guys like Michael Phelps, Babe Ruth, Jim Brown, Deion Sanders, Serena Williams, um, Usain Bolt, all these other great athletes. Um, but I'm going to break down why I just personally think these five athletes are the greatest of all time. Um, just looking at Roger Federer at number five, he's currently has the most Grand Slams of all time. Um, he's an eight-time Wimbledon champion, and he's just been dominant over this past generation. Between him, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic, those three have just completely taken over that sport and i have to give my cousin kyle some credit for this one because we always talk about tennis he sent me this glaring stat that i think really shows how great um federer djokovic and Nadal are um since 2005 only eight different men have won a major title besides those three compared to on the women's side since 2017 eight different women have won a title that's a 12-year gap in that Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic have just dominated. And the reason I have Federer above the other two is just because Djokovic is still a few years younger, and I do think eventually he may pass um, Federer all-time for most grand slams. But I just think Federer's impact on the game um, and how he's respected on and off the court um, is something that can be appreciated by a lot of athletes. I think Federer is regarded as the greatest tennis player of all time by a lot of people. Um, I think it would have been really interesting to see Federer in his prime against guys like Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, um, and their primes. He kind of caught them at the later end of their career. But his dominance on the court, especially at Wimbledon, um, to me is what makes him a top five athlete of all time. Um, Wayne Gretzky at number four. Um, this one wasn't too hard to put on just because his nickname alone, the great one. He's a nine-time MVP he holds over 40 regular season records, four-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, he's the leading scorer in NHL history, more goals and assists than anyone. He's the only player in NHL history to have 200 points in a single season. Think about how absurd that is. Um, you're lucky in today's game if you have a player reach over 115, 120, but 200 points in a single season, and I understand there's a generation difference and nowadays the goalies have a lot more equipment and padding so it's a little bit harder to score goals and whatnot 
but 200 goals regardless of whatever generation is in it's pretty absurd considering no one else has even really come close besides Mario Lemieux whose high was 196 um he also had 14 straight 100 point season and 1600 point seasons throughout the course of his career um he has so many records in the NHL that I couldn't even take the time of day to list you all of them he holds so many records between the all-star game playoff games regular season um his impact for the Edmonton Oilers before he was ultimately traded to the Kings was second to none um he really made the Oilers a dominant team and it's pretty sad because the Oilers aren't um that good of a team now but um what he did for that team kind of put that team on the map when they first came into the NHL um, and as I said before, his nickname is the great one for a reason. I think it'd be very hard to not have him as one of the top five athletes all time. Um, Jim Thorpe's my number three athlete all time. Um, I think he's probably the biggest question mark personally, I think, on this list. Um, solely because he never really, I'd say, never dominated um, a sport besides maybe um, at being at the Olympics in decathlon or pentathlon. Excuse me, but um, just he played three different sports at an extremely high level. Um, he was the first president of the American Football Association, which eventually became the NFL in 1922. But he was an NFL player and coach. He was an MLB player for a short period of time um, on the Giants and the Reds. Um, he didn't play very long in the NFL, but um, he's definitely a well-known NFL player. And as I mentioned before, he won gold medals in the decathlon and pentathlon. Um, and he's just an interesting story, too, because he actually had his Olympic awards revoked um, because originally he was practicing um, outside of the Olympics, which they said took away from the amateurism. Um, and then after his death, um, the IOC actually reinstated his Olympic medals. Personally, I just think that a guy that's able to make it in three different sports, um, track and field, MLB, and NFL, and at least be a relative enough player that everyone knows who he is and he can be thrown around these type of conversations personally puts him in the top five for me. Um, I know there's other athletes out there that have done things in multiple sports. You look at um, Bo Jackson or you look at Deion Sanders who played multiple positions. Um it's easily arguable that you can put other players in instead of him. But personally, in my opinion, just between the three different sports and none of them are really close to being the same, um, puts him in the top five for me. Um, number two, I have Muhammad Ali. Um, he was the first fighter to win the heavyweight title three times. He won a gold medal at 18 years old and then beat Sonny Liston at 22 to win a world title. He also beat other greats like George Foreman and Joe Frazier in some of the most iconic fights um, in boxing history. He had a 56-5 record all-time, including 37 knockouts. Um, and I think Muhammad Ali's story is just cool because of the situation he dealt with. And based on his religion, he didn't want to have to go um, to the draft for the war. And he faced so many, so much adversity and they wanted to suspend him from boxing and wanted to force him to go or almost go and do prison time before a court eventually overruled that. But then he was out of boxing for almost a full four years, and then his ability to come back and continue to be um, a dominant boxer was just incredible. 
and just what he meant for the sport. Um, so many people today just still talk about how great he was and how much of an advocate he was for the sport of boxing. Um, I don't know if boxing would be what it is today without Muhammad Ali's impact, and I personally think that's why I have him at number two. And then at number one, I have Michael Jordan. Um, I think Michael Jordan's one of those athletes that maybe not everyone agrees that he's the number one athlete of all time, but when you're talking about top five, top ten list all time, you're very seldom going to hear anyone leave his name off it. Five-time MVP, two-time Olympic gold medalist, a six-time champion in which he went 6-0 and in the NBA Finals, never losing in the Finals, um, a 10-time All-NBA First Team, 9-time All-Defense First Team, 14-time All-Star. Um, he did leave basketball for a short period of time to try minor league baseball, which he wasn't very good at, but I think it's pretty cool that a player could just leave the NBA and not have played baseball for that long and still have a little bit of an impact, even if it was at the minor league level. Um, and another reason I have Michael Jordan at number one, um, besides just his athletic appeal, is because of what he did off the court in establishing the Nike Air Jordan brand. And Nike's one of the most well-known, if not the biggest company for shoes in the world today. You look at all the athletes today, all of them love Nike, love Jordan brand. Um, and then just being in the movie scene, recording Space Jam and whatnot, um, his impact on and off the court, I think, is just truly amazing. Um, I'm not personally a huge Michael Jordan fan, but it's hard to deny the talent he had. He's probably just one of the greatest overall athletes in his ability, um, him sticking his tongue out, jumping from the free throw line, his acrobatic finishes in the paint for layups stuff, I think was he was one of the first people that you really saw ever do that in the sporting world. Um, so he's my number one um, athlete of all time. And as I said before, there's so many great athletes that there's no way that everyone would agree with this list that I have. But those are just my personal five. And it's going to continue to change as you see these athletes continue to grow over time. Who knows where LeBron James um, is going to finish his career. And other greats, Serena Williams, we don't know how many more titles she's going to win and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I'm going to do my quickly weekly pick them. So I'm two and zero now overall. Um, last week I picked the Broncos to lose to the Packers. Um, and I won that this week. My pick them is going to be the chargers over the dolphins. Um, pretty much pick anyone against the dolphins probably this year and be right. Um, but next week we're going to be talking about um, the Patriots-Bills game, the evaluation after Sunday. Um, my thoughts on the Sabres' first few games, they start next week, Thursday, at Pittsburgh. Um, I'm going to talk about who I think the best athlete to come out of the Western New York area is. And then finally, I'm going to talk about which build um, deserves to be on the Wall of Fame next. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope everyone enjoyed this week's episode, and I hope you all tune in next week. And I hope you all enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.